Hi and welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. This is episode 239 for the 17th of August 2014. My name's Rob from robnonphoto.com and this is my little journey through the wonderful, wonderful world of photography. Well, I hope everybody's had a fantastic couple of weeks since the last podcast. Been out taking lots of photos or reading lots of photo magazines and photo books and enjoying this wonderful art uh, that we call image making. So, what's been going on in the robnonphoto.com world? Um, well, I've been doing a few videos over on YouTube, so if you haven't checked it out already, head on over to robnonphoto.com, go over onto the right-hand side of the website, go scroll down a bit and it will say, my photos, are, my photos, my videos on YouTube, and I think I've done, I've done some more beginner's guides. So there's a beginner's guide to, <laughs> there's a beginner's guide to metering, different metering modes. But you've got to forgive me because in the video, instead of saying metering mode, I say exposure modes. So I was going to redo the video, I thought I'll sod it, so I've left it as it is. I think there's a beginner's guide to. Uh, what did I do? Uh, meeting mode, AF mode. I think that's been up there for a while. And I've just done a beginner's guide to exposure compensation as well. So if those phrases mean something, you think, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about controlling the exposure on my uh, photographs, then check those videos out. SEL of uh, the photography podcast is actually available on Stitcher again. Um, for some reason, it wasn't available for a long, long time. I think perhaps because my RSS feed wasn't uh, validating properly. And if you don't use, don't know about Stitcher, it's it's quite a good mobile app on uh, on Android. You can probably get it for iOS as well. I think you can play stuff on your on your desktop uh, with it as well. Um, and it kind of aggregates lots of different. Um, podcasts and, and music it's a bit like itunes for android obviously if you've got an iphone or an ipod um itunes is probably the best way to download and listen to scl but if you're an android and you maybe you're manually downloading the um uh, podcasts or listening to them from the website stitcher's not too bad but we're actually back on stitcher there might be quite a few episodes that are missing but i'm pretty sure the latest ones uh, since last episode scl 237 um, I know, remember, 238 became to, came before 237. It's all complicated. <laughs> but it's on Stitcher, and it's it's an okay app. It's not brilliant, but it's what I use on my Android phone. There's some things that are missing from it, some popular podcasts that I listen to, but most of them are on there. So just go to download the app, search for SCL, and it should come up, and you should be able to subscribe. Now, really exciting news. I've actually got a new lens. Uh, this is the first lens I got since the 40mm f2.8 that I got, pancake lens I got with my 600 at Christmas. And this one popped up on Gumtree, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. And um, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we don't have much money. I don't have much any money to spend on lenses and things. But this one was such a bargain, I sort of dipped into the savings. And um, what it was, I was... Uh, Gumtree is a bit like Craigslist in the UK and I have the app on my phone and I look at it every day just to see if there's any any things come off. I've bought a couple of things off uh, in the past and a lens came up and I thought this is uh, too good to be true. It's too cheap to be true. And what it is or was, it's the Canon EF, so full frame lens, a 70 to 300 f4 to 5.6 image stabilized lens. Um, and it was advertised for £130. 
which is incredibly cheap. I mean, really, really cheap. So I started doing a little bit of research about it um, because there's been a couple of versions of the uh, that sort of focal length um, lens. Uh, there's been a 75 to 300 IS, and obviously there's the I think there's, there's the 100 to 300 pull, push pull lens which I've got, um, and there's a, I think there's a, there's a 70 to 300 non IS version. Well, there definitely is, and um, it's kind of um, you know they're not cheap lenses the the latest versions i mean i'm just looking now at the the lens that i've got new on ebay sorry on uh, not on ebay on um, amazon.co.uk goes for 369 pounds okay and this lens was advertised for 130 pounds i thought there's got to be something wrong with it no it can't be true can't be true so then i went on amazon as well uh, sorry i'm getting keep me no no on ebay Let's search for Canon. Excuse me, seventy to three hundred IS. Let's have a quick look. EFs. No, I don't want the L version. Let's have a look. See what comes up. I mean, yeah, I mean, new ones are listed at three hundred eighty-five. Um, I mean, the non-IS versions people list it for one hundred and ten pounds. You know, whichever way you look at, £130 for um, that lens is incredibly cheap. So I left it for, for a few days and um, I thought, no, it's too too good to be true. It must be something wrong with it, it doesn't work or it's not what it appears. But it was still there a few days later and I thought, oh, sod it. I'm going to send them a few few messages. So I sent them a couple of messages saying, sorry to bother you, if you've still got the lens um, and is it in okay condition does it all work and they came back and i got an email back a few hours later saying yes yeah it's a perfect condition it all works um so i emailed back so well, i'll tell you what i'll give i'll if you've still got it i'll come and get get it off you and give you the cash tonight and they said yes so that's the email that said well what's your address then <laughs> and luckily it was just down the down the motorway in eastley so i took some money out of the account and uh nipped down to eastley I uh, found, found the address. I took my 600D with me, so I had a camera to test it on. Uh, it went inside. The chap got the lens out. It's still in the box. Still got the UV, It's got a UV filter on. Still got the box for the UV filter. The brand lens looks brand new. You know, and I checked it. Yes, it is the latest version. It's got the zoom lock. It's the 7300. It's got the two different types of image stabilization. One for general hand-holding and one for when you're panning. I put it on my 600D. Uh, it focused fine. I could hear the image stabilization uh, cut in. I could see the image getting uh, still out, and everything seemed perfect. So I kind of tried to start up a ch chat with the guy um, and said, "Oh, all right, yeah, you into photography?" And he said, "And basically, all he said was, uh, yeah, a little bit, but I don't get to use this lens very often.'" So then I thought, "Well, maybe they've made a mistake with the listing. Maybe it's not 130 pounds they want for it." Maybe it's two hundred and thirty pounds. So then I said, "Well, it was it was one hundred and thirty pounds." Yeah, and the bloke says, "Yeah, yeah." So I got the money out, gave it to him, and he gave it to me. I mean, this thing's in a box, but I mean, it looks brand new. They've even got the, as I said, they've even got the box for the UV filter that's on the end of it. So I took it back to the cold, dead excited, got it home, tested it. Everything seems fine. Um, there is a sticker from the London Camera Exchange on it, which is a camera shop chain here in the UK. So maybe they bought it second hand a while ago, but they could have bought it new. But honestly, this lens is in mint condition. So now I've kind of, you know, I've got this um, conundrum, if you like. I've, I've got this this great 70-300 f4-5.6 IS lens, 
Um, and I've got my 55 to 250 IS lens, you know, the, the telephoto that I've had a lot, had, had had for quite a while. And I really like the 55 to 250. I think it's an incredibly sharp lens. It's very, very light as well. And the question is, is the 70 to 300 IS a better lens? Because uh, the reason why it's kind of, uh, I'm thinking about it is because I got it for such a bargain. If I were to sell that lens, you know, uh, second hand, I could probably get well over 200 pounds for it. So that would then mean I could then get something different, like a uh, Canon do a new, and I'm probably going to get the focal length wrong here, but they do a new ultra wide angle lens for about 300 quid, which is, I don't, is it something like a 10 to 20 uh, IS they do, which would be very exciting because that's a part of the focal length that I just haven't got in my arsenal, apart from I have this, um, like probably lots of you guys have, I have this uh wide angle adapter that you can screw on the front of your kit lens but it's not quite the same it's very soft um or you know do i spend a little bit save up a bit more or maybe sell something like the 40 mil 2.8 and the 51 8 that mark one i've got and the 7300 and um and get something like um uh the f4 uh the 70 yeah, what do they do they do the 70 to 200 f4 l lens don't they you know, and I could actually get some L glass. So this is the conundrum I've got. You know, do I keep the seventy to three hundred IS, or do I and sell the fifty five to two fifty, or you know, do I keep the fifty five to two fifty and sell the seventy to three hundred and be able to make a considerable profit on it to spend on, on something else that doesn't cover my focal length. Obviously, the beauty with the EF uh, seventy three hundred is it would work on a full frame camera as well. Not that I've got one. But it'll work on a film camera, which I have got some Canon film cameras. But also it does work with my Jessup's 2x extender. So what this all really means is I've got to spend some time really testing this lens comparatively between the 55 to 250 and the 70 to 300. Um, just to see whether it's worth keeping or not. So what I'm going to be doing over the next week or so is I'm going to come up with lots of different ways of comparing them. I mean, and what I'm really interested in is sharpness. Especially at the long ends, because you buy a long zoom, you know, for that long zoom, don't you? Is the 300 considerably better than the 250 at 300 millimeters or at 250 millimeters um, in terms of sharpness, clarity, color? Is the image stabilization much better? You know, so when I'm at 300 mil lens, 300 millimeters, uh, can I shoot at a lower shutter speed than I can with the 70, the, the 55 to 250 at a lower shutter speed? Um, that sort of stuff. And uh, I'll obviously do my full YouTube review and a post on robnonphoto.com as well. So if anybody's been through this process already about maybe upgrading from the 55 to 250 to the 70 to 300 IS or have gone straight in with the 70 to 300, please email me scalespeed at gmail.com or put comments in the comment section uh, on robnonphoto.com because I definitely would like some advice on that. So anyway, I think it was a couple of days later, I'd finish work, I'm sure it was a Sunday night actually, we finish at 4 o'clock on a Sunday, so even after tea, um, in the summer it's still pretty light at sort of half past 5, we've still got light till half past 8, 9 o'clock, and I thought, sod it, I'm going to go out, so I kind of pulled myself together, um, uh, got my camera kit together, and went down to the uh, the sea, down at the Solent, to a place called Monk's Hill, which is just to the west is it just the west? Yeah, just to the west of Leon Solent, sort of between Leon Solent and Hill's Head, um, where there's normally lots of kite surfers and windsurfers. So I thought I'd get some action shots. And I was very lucky when I get the, got there, the tide was out, or, well, considerably far out, and 
because of the way that all the shingle is, there's some bits that kind of stick out into the sea. So I managed to find this place where these windsurfers were, where I could get out actually further into the sea, if you like, you know, by walking on the shingle than they were. Almost like a, a, a spit sticking out, a mini spit. So I could be looking back at them and taking photographs back at them across the sea towards the land. Um, conditions weren't great. It was a bit of a grey day and there was lots of spray around. So my, my camera lens was getting covered in spray. Um, and it was very, very windy. But I managed to get some quite nice shots. But what I made sure I did at the end was when I, as I was going, I saw one of the other windsurfers was there and I ran over it and I gave him my card and said, look, I may well have some photos of you that I'd like to share um, here's my card. Email me with your email address, and I'll email them. And the guy said, "Well, you, you're not a pro, are you? <laughs> you don't sell your photos, do you?" To back to us, I said, "No, no, I'm just an amateur." Because, because then I thought, "Well, yeah, wouldn't that be good? You know, if you if you took sort of lots of photographs for people and uh, and shared them out, so you got known as a, as a photographer of you know these action sports like windsurfing or kite surfing." or jet skiing, that sort of thing. And you could give give away lots and lots of photos, but if they came to you with a specific idea of saying, look, I'd like some photos of this, or, the, or me doing this, you can say, okay, well, and then you could work out some sort of uh, payment for that. Um, so I did that, and uh, the guy sent me his email address, and uh, I sent him back some photos and said, look, with, uh, you know, if you use these, please uh, credit Um And he said, well, he actually doesn't use with Facebook or anything like that so I thought oh great but there's another guy who who was who emailed me as well because I did a video of it and put that on YouTube and he saw the video and, and said oh you haven't got any of me have you always wearing like a red helmet I think or white helmet so I sent him some photos and he really liked them as well so so that was pretty cool and then yesterday I went down to the Solent again because it was seemed like a nicer day but again by the time I got down there it was all overcast and there were some jet skis and some kite surfers Unfortunately, the tide was in, so I couldn't do that same trick. So it's a bit tricky trying to get dynamic shots of uh, kite surfers and wind surfers from the beach when they're quite far away, um, because all you really get them is going backwards and forwards and doing the occasional, occasional trick. But there was some jet skiers around, and as what normally happens is I see jet skiers or skidoers or whatever they're called doing stuff, and as I walk towards them, they normally all stop and decide to have a cup of tea or refuel. But anyway, there's one guy who is doing some jumps and things, so I got some. Fairly interesting shots of him as well, so uh, so that was quite good. But this leads me into, fine, let me just take a quick drink, excuse me, that leads me into a kind of decision I've made recently about protecting my photographs when I put them online. When I first started off uploading photos to Flickr um, and Facebook and places like that, I would always put a copyright notice on them. But then for the last several years, I haven't bothered. I upload full resolu resolution photographs. Um, you know, straight, not not straight out of the camera, but the edited ones, full resolution, to Flickr with no notice on them at all. In the EXIF data, I always make sure there's the stuff that says copyright, Rob Nunn, um, please contact, it's got my email address and all that sort of stuff. But I don't add anything else on. But over the last few months, there's been loads of stories of uh, photographers having photos used by other people, um, news agencies, uh, websites, television, television stations, other artists. Um, without payment or attribution or even when the photographer says actually excuse me that was my photo please give me some money or at least some some credit you know they're not um, and I think this is because you know the reality no matter what is right or wrong or what the law is the reality is that people just don't know that they're not allowed to use images they find on the web 
Um, and this just isn't this just isn't the normal user like you or I or uh, your mum or your dad or your sister. You know, it's the people who run websites, who run news news organisations, who run TV stations and print magazines, and it's even other photographers and artists as well. They just lots of people think if it's on the web and I can right click it download you know they will <laughs> and they will use it because they think it's it's fair game um it's in the open um it's uh, uh what's that term that, that that people use as well when uh, you can use something that kind of belongs to somebody else because it's newsworthy um i I, you know, I can't remember what it is but you know they say you know it's out um and the attitude of lots of these large news organizations especially the web cave web-based ones is that they seem to think that if the photo is on a public platform say you've, you've used twitter or Flickr to um to use it then it's newsworthy and they're okay to use it as they wish and they'll face the consequences afterwards you can imagine you know as a photographer how do you think you'll do against a large company with a dedicated team i also think you need to protect your photos if you've got other people or other people's properties in them too um and I guess this kind of thinking probably comes from my recent photographs of things like these windsurfers or um, jet skis. Because, you know, if I take photos of somebody um, and then I share those photos with them so they know who I am and they've got my contact details, what would happen if somebody else borrowed those photos off the web, off Flickr, and say used them in, in a different uh, project without my permission? So maybe even a commercial project. And then that windsurfer found out you know they, they could be quite upset about it and you know hold me responsible even if i had no legal responsibility you know the moral responsibility they go as the person who took the photo i think i've got a bit of a duty of care to make sure that photo doesn't get used for uh things where uh, the, the original subject might not want say you were taking pictures of uh architecture or somebody's house or something like that imagine if that then got used somewhere else you know without their or your permission it's not your fault that it's got stolen but you know that doesn't won't affect the feelings of the person whose whose uh, property that is they'll they won't feel particularly friendly towards you so what am i going to do well i think i mean this might change over time but what i've decided is that at the moment i'm only uploading photos with a maximum long size of 2000 pixels which is large enough to display nicely on most screens and televisions. Um, and also I'm putting a big fat copyright message in the corner. Um, copyright, you know, C with a little circle around it. RobinandPhoto.com Now, I know this won't stop people borrowing my photos, but it means the photos won't be really be very good for printing. Though <laughs> I know people do print out web images quite large and don't seem to mind all the graininess and the um, artifacts. And I think that big copyright notice will either put people off or it will force them to take the time to crop out the notice which might mean them mean they go on to a different similar image from somebody else or if they do leave it in it's obvious they're using an image without permission imagine say i was at a a newsworthy event um say actually last night when i was taking photos of these windsurfers this airplane went over because there's a an airfield down at lee and they, they uh, a light aircraft take off from it. And this airplane was going over my head. It was making a racket, you know, really noisy engine. And then it was all, it was like the engine cut out. It went silent. I think actually what happened was the fact that the wind was blowing in a different direction. I couldn't hear the noise of the engine anymore. Anyway, at the time I thought, that engine just cut on that airplane. You know, it's going to go down in the sea, you know. And obviously I would have phoned the, the Coast Guard and everybody. But, you know, I got my camera out. Imagine I got a newsworthy picture of that 
aeroplane crashing into the sea. And I get home and I upload it to Flickr and Twitter and say, oh, look at this, maybe even you know, send it to the local newspaper. But I make sure I put a big fat copyright message on it. Copyright, robnonphoto.com. So they know that that image belongs to me. And if they use it without my explicit permission, they're breaking the law. Um, and um, it'll stop them stop them doing it. So they'll either you know, give me the proper um, attribution, and then I could give them an image without that copyright message on it. Um, or you know, they'll pay me and do it that way. Um, and if they do use it without permission, with the copyright... You know, you've got to be pretty dumb to do that if you're in a major news um, organization. Now, I know you're saying, well, in major news organizations, they'll crop it out. But, you know, then I will have the evidence that they have cropped it out. And then I think if you did, you know, go to go to a lawyer and say, look, I want to go after them, that would be pretty damning evidence. And I know, especially in America, um, if you uh, if you can... Um, if you uh, register your images with the copyright office, which in America you definitely should do, you know, it, because if you if in America if you register your images with the with the copyright office and somebody uses them without permission, not only do you get the statutory damages, which is where you could say, well, you know, this type of photograph would normally earn you two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars, which you could get. If you've registered it with the copyright office, you can then go. There's an un un unlimited fine that then can go uh, unlimited damages sorry that then can go against um, the people who have used it so that's very 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 important now i know this won't stop people borrowing my photos um but um you know it's gonna it's gonna help um and the other thing as well is that if <laughs> if say people who are borrowing the images um, and putting them on websites or whatever or even in print or something like that but it's still got my photo my web address on it rubnonphoto.com at least i've then got that little bit of advertising which could direct people who like the photo photos actually back towards me so i can get some benefit with some more visitors to the website or you know maybe somebody saying oh could you do some photos like this so the next thing it's over to you really have you thought about protecting your images i mean maybe you do so already and what technique do you use have you thought about you know how one of your subjects or models might feel if they discovered a photograph that you had taken had been used for something they didn't expect it by someone else or another organization that you didn't know about either so please get in touch with me scalespeeder at gmail.com that's s-c-a-l-e-s-p-e-d-e-r at gmail.com or you can always put comments in the comment section at robnonphoto.com um, and especially as well if you've had any of your photos used without permission if you've experienced theft i've done them um, some searches on some of my photos on Google Image Search and TinEye, and I can't really see many that have been st that have been stolen. I don't know how I feel about that. I might feel I feel quite bad. I would hope that more of the images, more of the popular images people are using, because that means that if they're not good enough to steal, then uh, nobody's going to want to pay for them either. But anyway, that's by the by. That's it from me uh, for for this uh, this episode. Now remember, we have got a photo assignment going on over in the Flickr group, which runs to the end of the uh, month, which isn't that long. Is it? We're just over halfway through the month, which is macro, uh, the macro photography, isn't it? Animals, insects, or plants. So take part in that. I haven't done anything yet, but I'm going to probably have a crack at it this afternoon or maybe tomorrow. Um, thanks to everybody for putting their photos in the RobnumPhoto.com. Uh, Flickr group, thanks for everybody for commenting, 
and taking part in the assignments and commenting on rumlandfair.com. Um, but most of all, I'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robnonfair.com and hopefully pretty soon I'll see you on Forget.